good to see you all. Again, that's uh, where we are. <clears throat> As you see, we're going to start a new series. Um, we're going to start a new series of, of lessons this morning on the book of James. Um, look forward to it. James is um, an awesome book. It's, it's very condensed. James says a lot in just a few words. It's been likened to Proverbs in many ways, and also uh, to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. There are a lot of similarities between those two. And James um, gives, gives us a whole lot of wisdom and things that we should do uh, in our Christian walk every day. It's a very practical book. Um, it was written by uh, Jesus' brother, his younger brother James. And James didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ. He grew up with him and he believed it was just his brother, you know. And uh, in fact, um, in John chapter 7 and verse 2, he even challenges Jesus. Um, he tells him, For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. <clears throat> James, like his brothers, thought that he was just doing this to glorify himself. He thought They thought he was seeking personal glory to be a public figure. And he wanted this public fame, and that's why he was doing this thing. That's what, that's what James believed. And, <clears throat> and then, <clears throat> later, James saw his, his brother beaten and tortured. He saw him crucified and hung on a cross. He saw him die there. And he saw the blood and the water come out of his dead body. He saw his brother buried in a tomb. And three days later, he saw his brother alive. In... 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 7 says that before Jesus even went and showed himself to his apostles, he found his brother James and he showed himself to James. I don't know what they talked about, but it changed James' life. He, he knew this wasn't just his brother. This was his Lord and his God. It changed his life forever. James went on to become very influential in the church. In Acts 15, we read how James settled a dispute at the council of Jerusalem as they were arguing over whether Gentiles should be circumcised or not. James stopped that. He said no. James became a pillar. Paul refers to him as a pillar in the church in Galatians. And often we see Paul uh, talking to James. Um, James writes at the beginning of, of, of this letter that it was written to the 12 tribes which were scattered abroad. James was a Jew who became a Christian. And he wrote this to other Jews who had become Christians and were being persecuted. 
Um, after Stephen, remember after Stephen was, was martyred, a great persecution fell on the church. And the church began to be persecuted hard. People like Saul became bold, even bolder than before. And they went out and started looking for Christians, pulling them out of their homes, threatening the lives of their children if they didn't deny Christ. The persecution was hard. And James wrote this epistle to these Christians who were being persecuted. He talked about, and he talks about in this book how they should deal with that persecution, what they, how they should respond to it, what they should do. And James talks to us today as the world around us just more and more starts to seem to be hating Christians. You see it on the internet a lot. Any, any time a Christian speaks out against things that God says is wrong, like homosexuality and, you know, divorce and some of the things that the, that's so common in the world. There's hatred there. You see it. And it's getting worse. Well, James speaks to us today on how we are to respond to stuff like this. Many Christians have given up and just started following the wisdom of the world instead of God. But James says it's important what we do. We're going to talk about that. He starts talking about tests and patience. In James 1 and verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, a trial is simply a test. That's what the word means. And... As Christians, you know, we're tested every day. So why does he say you should be happy when you're tested like this? Why should we be happy? You know, these early Christians were, were, were facing some really hard tests of their faith. And he tells them to be joyful at this testing. He says the reason is because if you endure it, if you overcome, if you, if you pass this test, you're building patience, you're building endurance. It's like, just like when you're, when you're exercising your body to make it stronger. When you exercise your faith, when you pass that test, your faith is stronger. You're, you're enduring more. Your endurance is built up. And the next one will be easier. So, your, your faith is, is, is tested and, you, and it's built up stronger in the smaller temptations, you might not be able to overcome the bigger temptations. So we need to be tested. And he says to take, take joy when you overcome this. Take joy when your faith is tested and you overcome it. You know, we were all tested in school. I doubt you went into class knowing you're having a big test and say, all right, I'm going to have a test. Yay. <laughs> you know, no one does that. But isn't it sweet when you get that test back that was so hard, you weren't sure what you are going to do, and you got an A. You passed. That's a wonderful feeling. 
And we should take joy in the small accomplishments and in the small battles we win. Take joy in that. Think of temptation as a test. He next talks about wisdom. He says in James 1 and 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, there aren't a lot of things that we're promised to definitely have in this life. With food and clothes, with these be content, you know. We're promised that God will give us what we need according to His plan. But one thing we're promised we will receive, and that's wisdom. And all you have to do is ask for it. That's it. Just ask. And we're promised that we'll get it. I think that's just an awesome thing if you think about it. All we have to do is ask. Wisdom. Things that men seek their whole lives. Just ask for it. And God will give it to you. How do you think James got the wisdom and understanding to write this letter? I'm sure he asked God. And through the Holy Spirit, he was given that wisdom. If you have things that test your faith things that you don't understand, that you're having difficulty with, have you prayed to God and asked Him for wisdom? The promise is you'll get it. But He says, ask without doubting. Because if you doubt, He says, you're like a wave tossed back and forth by the wind. You're lukewarm. You're unstable. And He says, if, the, if you doubt, don't expect anything at all from God. So ask knowing. When you ask God for wisdom, know. You're going to get it. Know that He's going to give it to you. And He will. That's the promise. James goes on and talks about the rich and the poor. In James 1 and verse 9, he says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation... Because of the flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. We all struggle with pride every day, don't we? We get puffed up and full of ourselves when we do something awesome. And we feel bad and maybe embarrassed or we don't feel so good when other people have things we don't have or are better than us. Both of those things are pride. Both are sin. Now James says that we should be different. He says that lowly Christians should rejoice in their exaltation. John 1, 1 John 3 and 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. How awesome is that? We are sons of God. That is awesome. 
How much more exalted can you get? That pretty much evens, evens this plate. And he says, likewise, rich Christians need to be humble. Because it doesn't matter how much you have, you've got it for a blink of an eye. You're not taking anything with you. It's all disappearing. And it's going to happen fast. So what do you have that God didn't give to you? So, that's what he says about the rich and the poor. He goes on and talks about temptation. And he spends quite a bit of time talking about temptation. James 1 and verse 12, he said, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, every day we are tempted with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It's always there. It's always going to be tempting us. But when you endure it, when you see the magazine with the half-naked person on the cover and you turn away, you look away because that's not something you need to be looking at. When you decide to change how you spend your money and spend it on other people instead of heaping more on yourself. When you choose to say nothing. When all you really want to do is tell everybody in the world what happened to you, how, what you did, how, how you achieved some great victory. Instead, glorify others, praise others, lift others up. When you choose to do these things, when you overcome these temptations, when you endure, God will bless you. God will bless you, He says, and He will bless you more than you can ever bless yourself. But verse verse 13 says that God will never tempt us. It says we are tempted. We are tempted by our own desires. Our own desires tempt us. Verse 15. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I know a man who was who was a member of the church. He, he, was, he was a very well-respected member of the church. And he was, he was on his way to becoming a leader in the church. And then through his work, he met a woman. And he started thinking about being with this woman. Instead of putting it out of his mind, he started dwelling on this. And he dwelt on it more and more and Instead of changing his plans and, and finding a different place to go, doing different things, staying away from this person, he changed his plans in order to spend more time with this person. And more time and more time. He finally, this man, this man had a wife and he had young children that adored him. And his wife adored him. He had family all around him. He was so loved. 
But over time, he just kept thinking more and more about this woman. He eventually moved in with her, left his family. And he knew that God didn't approve of his sinful lifestyle. So eventually he left God. And he came to believe. He convinced himself that everything he was taught in the Bible was a lie. Because he read in the Bible what he was doing was wrong. And so he left the church. And you know what? It's really sad for me to say this. I know more than one man that would fit that description. When I think about this man and the devastation that it caused his family, it breaks my heart. Maybe this isn't a temptation for you. Maybe it's pride, wanting to be like the world, to enjoy the passing pleasures of the world more and more and more. Or wanting the respect of people more than God. I don't know what tempts you every day. But James says that when desire is conceived, it brings forth sin, birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, it brings forth death. When you dwell on it, when you give this desire your life, When you give that desire that you have all your life, it is born. It is born in you. And it's born as sin. And that sin in you, when it's completely grown, will take your soul. That's the warning. So that's why these small battles, the small battles, the victories you should rejoice over, These small battles, because they can change the course. They can change the path. And they could change the road you're going down. In verse 16, he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. How do you keep, how do you keep these lusts for the worldly things out of your life? You focus on the good things. Focus on what God has given you, the perfect gifts. As Paul said in Philippians, think on these things. The good, the pure, the lovely. The things that God has given you. That's how you keep these things out of your life. Next, he talks about being swift to hear and slow to speak. Verse 19, he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Like many, many verses in James, you could spend a whole sermon just talking about this one. We don't have patience because we don't wait. We don't wait on God. 
We want instant gratification. Why should I have to wait on other people? We don't wait to understand completely. We don't wait to ask God for wisdom before we act, before we say things. I'm not even married, and I know this is true. We speak before we think, and we, we don't pray to God. You know, think about the next time you're in a heated argument, maybe, or you're angry and you're frustrated and you're about to say something. If you'll just stop and pray to God for wisdom, what should you say? See if that would work out better for you. That's what we should do. We should have patience. Have patience with God and wait and ask Him. Ask Him for wisdom. Ask Him for help. And last, He talks about being doers and not just hearers. James 1 and verse 21. He says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing himself, his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not for a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, This one will be blessed in what he does. You know, we've we've heard a lot, a lot of good sermons in this building. There's been a lot of good sermons preached in these walls. And if you're anything like me, you've sat in that pew that you're sitting in right now. And you said to yourself, you know, I'm going to do better. I'm going to change what I do. I'm going to, next time this situation happens, I'm going to remember what God says in the Bible, and I'm going to do that instead. That's what I'm going to do. And then you leave, and life happens, and you forget. You know, as James described it, We're like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what manner of man he was. He says you're deceiving yourself if you do this. If you call yourself a Christian, and you come to church every Sunday, and you hear the Word of God, and then you go away and completely forget about it, just ignore it, go about doing your own thing. He says you're deceiving yourself. But it doesn't have to be like that. You can be like the other man he talks about. The one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. The one who hears the Word of God, and meditates on it, continues to think about it, continues to do what He says because you're thinking about it, and does what God says to do. Look for opportunities to do what Jesus commands you to do. 
And he says to show compassion, to show the love that Jesus had for you to other people. That, James says, is pure religion. Showing love to people who need it, like Jesus did. That's not the watered-down, lukewarm, emotion-driven, feel-good, me-self religion that the world teaches. But that is the religion of Christ. It should be your religion. James understood how practical Christ's message was. It was a thing, it was a message of doing things, helping people, other people, not yourself. And I want to encourage you this week to do the things that James talks about in James 1. To be a doer and not just a hearer only this week. That's all I have this morning. If anyone has a request for a prayer, would like the prayers of the church to help you overcome things you're struggling with in your life, please come forward now as we stand and sing.